Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 33. This is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. This episode will be released on Thursday, September 6, 2018. I'm recording it on Wednesday, September 5th. 2018, but uh, be released on Thursday as usual. Uh, visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links if you want to follow along or get in contact with me. Yeah, pixelswim.com's the hub for all of that. So I always suggest going check out the, the show notes. Usually there's a lot of links this week and there's going to be quite a few links I put together uh, for this episode. So we'll dive into the weekly notes, feedback, and links like we usually do. Let's Go for our pixel swim. <laughs> anyway, so the first thing is I just as uh, I'll, I'm trying not to beat a dead horse here, but I won't mention it too much more. But the pixel swim merchandise is available now on Teespring. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to jump over to that. And uh, there's some promo codes. Uh, this is all to support the podcast. I'm looking to get a new microphone and uh, just helps pay for the website hosting and all that stuff. So uh, there's a couple promo codes, pixel, P-I-X-E-L, for $3 off your order at uh, Teespring there. So, And also there is the promo code Godspeed, G-O-D-S-P-E-E-D, for free shipping in the United States. So yeah, head on over for that if you want to support the podcast. So, oh, I and also I just wanted to say that if you did buy stuff, I noticed that I so far I've only sold a couple of mugs for, on there, uh, a couple of mugs that people bought. Uh, I can't see who orders what. So if you order something and we're connected on mo- social media, uh, shoot me picture of what everything looks like when you get it. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for purchasing. But And just skipping forward in time here a little bit, this is I'm dropping this in because I noticed that Mike Latore and Tom Stewart are the ones that bought the mugs uh, from the Pixel Swim merchandise. So thank you guys. Mike posted on social media. So if you go to my Twitter, I retweeted. He uh, posted a pic of the mug. So uh, yeah, take a look at that. It looks good. And then Tom Stewart, uh, also on Google Plus, uh, chimed into a post that Mike did and uh, showed that he got the other mug, the the Godspeed mug. So, uh, very cool. Thank you guys for buying those. I appreciate it, um, and for supporting the show. And and thanks, Tom, for coming on a couple times. And yeah, I really am grateful for <laughs> for anybody buying anything. So thank you for sharing those. The the mugs look cool. So it's very cool for me to see those out in the real world for sure. Anyway, like I was saying, let's dive into the the more interesting stuff. So if you do follow me on Twitter, I posted this week that I bought an LG G6. So this last weekend over here in the U.S. Uh, was Labor Day weekend. So it was a three-day weekend. And so I spent a lot of the weekend uh, saying weekend over and over again. I'm just kidding. Um, I was shopping for a new Android device. So... I had the Moto X4 before. I tried the Moto E4 Plus again to no avail. Uh, It only lasted a couple days having that one. So I decided to shop around and try to make a decision this weekend. And so what ended up happening was I kind of narrowed it down to the LG 
Stylo 4 and the LG Q7 Plus. So the, a lot of the weekend I was kind of shopping around on Swappa.com and also on eBay to look for those devices. And so I was really, you know, it was mostly about price um, when I was looking at those two devices. So on Swappa, there was a really great priced Stylo 4, but uh, it was, you know, I, I just I had hesitations with the Stylo 4. It's, it's a cool device, but, it, you know, I just didn't I just feel like it, it's underpowered and there's not enough RAM <laughs> and stuff like that. But I've always wanted to try out the an, a newer Stylo device because I've followed that line. It's kind of the and I mentioned it before, but it's the cheaper version of the way cheaper version, like tenth of the price version of the Gal- uh, Samsung Galaxy Note series. So LG offers up a very budget version of the kind of a, a a tablet device so the style of four was because it, it's kind of got a redesign to match up with the rest of the lg line of devices i was really interested in in trying it out and so i was on swap looking at that but then i also saw on ebay there was an unlocked uh, lg q7 plus which is the uh, i've talked about the q7 coming out in the past on this show and that it would, you know, I have, I had the Q6. And so my wife actually uses the Q6 right now. And it's a really great device. The one thing about it was the speaker was really not that great. Otherwise, I may have hung on to it a little bit longer. There were, you know, it's just a few, it's just kind of underpowered and it didn't run Google Maps super well. So, uh, so the Q7 Plus, which has 64 gig internal with i think three or four gigabytes of ram and it, it's just an all-around better version of the of the q line so it was a big upgrade for the q line and the speaker seemed like it was going to be a little bit better this time it was on the bottom of the device the q6 had it on the back so anyway i found an unlocked metro pcs version which is a carrier over here in the us i think they're owned by t-mobile and they offered on well i found an offer on ebay Uh, someone else selling an unlocked version of it and i believe t-mobile and metro pcs are the only ones that are carrying the q7 plus here in the u.s so i was kind of at a toss-up between those two and what ended up happening (laughs) is i bought an lg g6 so really what my logic was here what happened was is that the q7 plus because it's pretty new and uh, the device that I was looking at was is new. I kind of didn't want to. It was I was going to be spending. Uh, I think the unlocked version that I found on eBay was two thirty, two hundred thirty dollars. And so the Stylo Four that I was looking at that I was hesitant about on Swappa was one twenty. So we're looking at, you know, about $100 difference between them. And right between them <laughs> at uh, one, 179 or 180 was the LG G6. And if you've listened to the show in the past, I, I've mentioned it a couple times when I've been looking for an Android device, I've mentioned the LG G6. And so at the times when I mentioned it a few months ago, I it was not within my budget. And so I decided to finally go with the LG G6 
and try that out because I do like the design of all the current LG lines of devices. <laughs> so not so much to the LG G7 with the notch and all that stuff, although I'm really curious about how the speaker sounds. But other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the LG G6. And I posted it on Twitter that I had ordered it. Um, and I, uh, Mike Latore reached out and, and, you know, said it looks it should be a pretty good device. He hasn't actually had it, but he's he was interested to hear that I had gotten it. And then he had also talked about how the battery life would probably <laughs> be a downfall for it uh, because it is a higher end device. But with the processor, it's it basically it'd be a powerhouse. But compared to what I'm used to in budget devices, especially coming off the Moto E4 Plus and, and kind of drooling over the battery life on that device, that the LG G6 would probably be a drastic change downwards as far as battery life goes. And so I had taken that into consideration when I got it. And so and so Frank Neathart actually responded on Twitter as well that he had because he's had the device in the past and he said the battery is actually pretty decent. Uh, he said the camera did disappoint him, uh, though, and that the G4 had a better camera. And that's a, the G4 I did look at because that was a the LG G4 was a super budget <laughs> right these days kind of uh, device to look at. But uh, he says the audio quality on it is one of the best he's had. So and that to me and it, that if you use it as a phone, it's one of the best audio devices that he's had. And so I do use my device quite a bit for the phone. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm really just kind of looking forward to getting it in and having it in hand and having that LG experience again. I'm starting to <laughs> kind of realize that I like LG's, you know, I, I like LG's experience, the build quality, the software. I don't even mind too much. I know that they don't have an app drawer out of the box. Obviously, that's an easy, easily remedied, but uh, I didn't mind it I when I had the Q6, uh, which was my experience, you know, with kind of the modern LG interface and stuff like that. But I'm looking forward to having it and hopefully it meeting my needs, you know, and, and I kind of have to look at it differently from battery perspective. It, it is the because it is the T-Mobile version of the LG G6, it does have Qi wireless charging. And so uh, I have to kind of adjust my habits and try and get used to a new way of or get used to the, the battery life not being as great because it is more highly specced. But with that said, since I got rid of my Moto X4, I put my SIM card back in my Alcatel Idol 4S with Windows 10 and the battery life, it really isn't super great on there. It's not too bad, honestly, but I do play audio out of it, the stereo speakers pretty much all day. So it kind of drains the battery <laughs> fairly quickly. So I've kind of gotten into the habit of having to charge up during the day. And so I have a Qi wireless charging pad that I was using for my Nokia Lumia or my, I'm sorry, Nokia, my Microsoft Lumia 950. So that's kind of just sitting by the wayside because I haven't, I don't boot that device up super often. So I'll probably get that set up on my desk and, and just kind of have it topping up, you know, all day or maybe look into some other ways to charge it. So yeah, I'm really, I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to it and I hope it can be a good fit. And then I, and I also just hope that 
I don't have to. It's I hope <laughs> I hope I don't, you know, dislike it to the point where I feel like I want to get rid of it right away. So we'll we'll see. And also, I did order a bug droid case for it. And I'm, I'm excited for that. The Cruiser Lite bug droid case. I don't usually get many phones that, that actually have a bug droid case for them. So I got one of those in and I did an order an Incipio Carnaby case for it too. So hopefully those will come in before the device, but we shall see. So overall, I'm just I'm looking forward to the LG G6. All right. So I've got a bunch of links that I kind of want to share here and I'll put these all in the show notes at pixelswim.com under this episode. Uh, feel free to leave a comment while you're there too. If you want to provide some feedback, that'd be great too. So the first one that the first, uh, these are just a bunch of links. Uh, I'm not going to go too in depth on each one, but just kind of explain what they are because I found them to be interesting. So the first one is for a progressive web app called Drawser. I think I think that's how it's pronounced. Drawser. I don't see Drawser. Drawser. Either way, this is a design uh, it's a it's a progressive web app, so it runs through the browser. But essentially, it's a design tool, so a lot to the effect of Adobe Illustrator from what I've looked at. So there are other tools out there like this that will help you to make a design with a lot of different features and and things like that that run through the browser. But this is probably the <laughs> the fastest loading one that I've tried. So if you do not necessarily need a full featured Adobe suite for designing a flyer or something to that effect, I definitely suggest checking out drawser.com. And it looks like you can connect it to your Google Drive account and save the files that you create to that. But the best thing about it is it's absolutely free. There is, they, it looks like they don't even intend to charge in the future. There's no premium accounts or anything like that. So I I'd suggest going to check it out if you have it just to play with, you know, in the future, if you have something that you want to put together for, you know, a design that you want to put together. This is a re- seems like a really great option. There's a lot in in this program. And so it looks like it actually loads in a lot of Google fonts to use with your designs as well. And yeah, it's just overall, I was really impressed with it. So that's drawser.com, D-R-A-W-S-E-R.com. And yeah, check that out. Because like I said, that I've seen I've come across a lot of these tools in the past, but this one seems to be a really nice and very quickly loading version. And I've loaded it up in Firefox. So it's not one of those uh, web apps that requires Chrome or anything like that to run. So uh, I've been very impressed with it. And and I mean, so far, you know, maybe there's some different, you know, maybe there's some caveats to it, but I'm not I haven't seen any so far. So there, you know, there's a lot of they offer layers and, and things like that, but just a lot of a lot of stuff that would make designing easy uh, for, uh, you know, someone who doesn't have all the software really want to invest in all the software. Uh, it's worth a play with. And it's, I mean, out of the box <laughs> or out of the progressive web app box, it's it's probably one of the better ones that I've seen. So, yeah, check that out. Drawser.com. OK, so the next link that I want to share, and this is kind of 
just a reference point, really. So what this is, is a series of blog posts on photography for beginners. And so if you've listened to the show, you know that not too long ago, I had to kind of learn how to use a DSLR camera for my work. And so I was on the lookout to kind of how to use that camera. But what really, and a lot of these articles on here, this is on a website called canva.com, canva.com, C-A-N-V-A.com. And so they have a category for photography for beginners. And some of it's very, very, very basic. But some of the articles, the article that I came across initially, which led me to this section on their website, was a beginner's guide to aspect ratio and how to use it to compose stunning images. So it it just goes over aspect ratio and what it is, why it exists, you know, and and just the different ways that you can use aspect ratio in your photography. And and a lot of the article is kind of if if you've been into photography even a little bit, some of it may be a little redundant for you, but there's also a bunch of other articles on here. That I, if you're just kind of just getting into photography, uh, like I really need to read through more of these. But uh, there's some other interesting ones. So there's like you know composition basics. I think that one really might help uh, a lot of people because I think it's easy to just quickly snap a photo, but to actually compose a photo is actually you know it's a, it can be that's what separates you know like artistic photographers from just you know everyday average joe (laughs) snapping a a shot on the street so yeah there's some interesting articles to kind of get things going uh is if you're looking to get into photography so yeah canva.com photography for beginners it's a good reference point you know if it's a good thing that even if you're into photography and you but if you know somebody that is maybe looking to get into it who isn't necessarily you know that tech savvy this is might be a good place to send them to kind of you know get a good rundown of how to get started and how to kind of you know have a little leg up before they you know so you don't have to fail so much (laughs) before you you know start to catch on to to how to do things so I thought I would just share the link because I thought it was a decent resource for this type of thing. And if you, if anybody else has kind of a resource for uh, photography for beginners, just let me know. Um, I'd be interested to see because I think there's always you have to read a lot of articles to kind of get some good nuggets, golden nuggets in there, you know, of things that kind of help make things click in your head. So, uh, yeah, check out check out the article in the show notes. Uh, photography for beginners on Canva.com. Okay, so just another quick article that I wanted to share that's on Medium, but uh, I don't know if you've come across this somewhere else maybe this week, but this article kind of is the official Evernote Medium post on how Evernote redesigned or kind of refreshed their their brand. So if you've ever used Evernote, it's kind of an all-purpose app or note-taking app on uh, cross-platform. So I I have used Evernote in the past, uh, probably several years ago now, but it just never, I just never really got into the whole Evernote ecosystem. But if you take a look at this article, it just mostly goes over the Evernote redesign and rebrand. So I'm not going to go too much into what they did, but I, I don't mind what they did, especially keeping 
the serif typeface for their logo font. But there's a good video at the beginning. Take a look through. And, you know, it's just always kind of interesting to see how these tech brands evolve as far as this stuff goes. This is a really long post (laughs) about the rebrand. I'm not a huge fan of this type of thing. I just kind of like to see how, you know, what what visually they come up with and why. And so it's always kind of interesting to me as a designer to read through and see. So and part of the Evernote redesign was the worry that they were going to kind of kill their elephant, (laughs) which is their kind of iconic logo. So it looks like that they're not they're not getting rid of the elephants. So but just take a scroll through real quick that article. I thought it was kind of interesting if you're into that sort of thing. And, you get, you know, you get the idea behind of the creative process for some of these bigger brands. To me, Evernote's a fairly big brand, so I hope that's not overstating things. But it's, you know, it's interesting. So I thought I would share it. And so check out the show notes for that. Okay, so this next article that I'm going to share a link to is about something that I've talked about in the past, and it's the big update coming to WordPress 5.0 and the Gutenberg editor that's been kind of a controversial move for WordPress. So this article is on WPTavern.com and it's called Classic Press, Gutenberg Not Included. And so essentially it goes over this project by this guy called Scott Bowler, who created what he's calling classic press and so essentially it's kind of his backlash reaction and move to create a fork of wordpress without any sort of gutenberg (laughs) uh, editor touching it at all so it's basically just wordpress as it is kind of forked off and and this kind of goes to prove the point that Gutenberg is controversial in the WordPress world. And the reason that I even mention WordPress in this Gutenberg update is because of its reach on the web and the idea that this change affects a lot of people. And so one of, I thought one of the things in this in this post or this article was that was interesting about why this Scott Bowler decided to create a a fork of of WordPress was the fact that he says in regards to him trying to provide feedback for Gutenberg that he it says he says after my feedback on Gutenberg fell on deaf ears I realized that WordPress is no longer a community-led project major decisions are being made by an elite few so yeah that's one of the the things about (laughs) about this update that have kind of you know, got everybody up in a tizzy is that they kind of feel like it's getting, you know, they didn't have really much choice in this. This was being this was a decision being made by the folks running WordPress. So and because WordPress is such a community driven project that this kind of, you know, betrays the the core ideals of WordPress. So he's created this fork called Classic Press. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to this article, which will link you over to Classic Press if it's really something you want to take a look at installing. I'm not in a rush to to try this out, um, but I thought I'd share it because, like I said, it kind of exemplifies the gravity of, of this update that's coming to WordPress. So yeah, check that out in the show notes. 
Okay, and so this last article that I want to share, well, it's not an article, but this last thing that I want to share, and I actually posted this on the Whatever Works Google Plus community today, which is Wednesday, but it's for a new Bluetooth speaker called SodaPop. And so the reason that this kind of applies to, well, obviously it's technology, but the design of the SodaPop portable wireless speaker is kind of unique <laughs> and and the reason it's called soda pop is essentially because you can attach or screw in a soda bottle or if you're in the chicago area a pop bottle or if you're in the south a coke bottle the south of the united states in the united states uh, please don't backlash at me too hard if i'm getting this wrong but so if you take a look at this Kickstarter campaign that they started, it's actually funded. So this is going to be produced. The speaker, it's kind of a cylindrical speaker. And in one side of it is kind of a cutout for a bottle. If you think of a, uh, a pop bottle, soda bottle, whatever you want to call it, you can screw that in an empty one. And essentially it uses the bottle for to create more base so it's an it, in their words it's an incredible smart invention to bring dynamic sound to small portable speakers scandinavian design so it's it's a, it's interesting I, I would really honestly love to get my hands on one to try and and see the the effect that this that an empty bottle has on it so it does come look it looks like it comes with a pre-designed bottle that kind of acts as a carrying case as well so go to the kickstarter page and watch the video because i think it's pretty interesting uh, as far as when they demonstrate the product uh, they in the video they kind of show all of the design team as well so it's it's, it's kind of i think that video could have been a lot shorter than it was but it's interesting to watch the product how they the idea for it is interesting so I'm curious to see the reviews and everything that'll come out on this and then if it actually lives up to the, you know, if if it works, you know, if the it adds that much more fidelity and 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 dynamic sound, you know, to this little Bluetooth speaker. And they say in the video that it has a 31 hour battery life, which is crazy for the size of this thing so this just kind of exemplifies where design and technology meet really uh, especially with the unique selling point as sticking a, a, a pot bottle <laughs> a soda bottle in the side of a speaker you know it's 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 interesting I, I just really it grabbed my attention very quickly and I thought I'd share that here and I'd you know I, I thought people on on the whatever works Google Plus community would think it was kind of interesting too. So very interesting indeed. So check that out in the show notes for the Soda Pop Kickstarter campaign. It doesn't look like you can back it anymore because it is fulfilled. So I don't know what they're doing now, maybe going to production or something. Either way, kind of cool and just, you know, some interesting idea. So check that out in the show notes. Okay, so the uh, I kind of call this the main topics section of the show, but usually it's just kind of the thing that I talk more at length about. So it's actually kind of a continuation of my cloud adventures. So if you've tuned in the past couple weeks, I it's all started when uh, Guillermo Ortiz sent me a request to talk about 
Android without Google because he lives in China. So they don't have they don't use Google there or I should say I, I think it's not <laughs> allowed legally. So either way, it kind of put me down a rabbit hole to see what I could do with what I have. So I, I have I, I kind of wanted to set up an Android device without Google on it and see how I could get on with that. And so last week I talked about trying to set up my own cloud and I talked about NextCloud and OwnCloud and and those solutions kind of filling the gaps for a lot of the Google for a few of the Google services that I, you know, the things that I use Google for most like contacts and calendar and backing up photos and files and stuff like that. So those really I can use NextCloud, uh, which is the kind of the one I'm going with as, you know, to to fulfill all of those services. But with that said, I'm kind of with this LG G6 coming in, um, there's I, there's no official lineage OS support for it out of, you know, out of the box or I should say there's no official support on Lineage's site for the version that I'm getting. There is an LG G6 on there, but I don't think it's the T-Mobile version. Either way, I'm sure there's a, a a port out there somewhere, probably on XDA forums, but I don't plan on putting it on there, you know, to have Android without Google, especially because I, I don't mind LG software and I just don't know how the camera, because there's a wide angle and a regular camera on the back, I don't know how much support that would have on Lineage right now. But either way, uh, my kind of idea now is to kind of just more to sign into my Google account on this this new Android device that I'm getting the G6 and just more limit what I use Google for. So because I do like YouTube and I do you know, there's a few services like Google Docs, which I can get away from it, but it's, you know, it's a little more difficult. But I do, you know, I do want to maintain my Google account for certain things like that. So really, I just will limit what I use my Google account for. Like I said, things like YouTube and, and Google Plus is another thing, you know, that I don't want to give up because it's a nice community. <laughs> so if I can just take things like email and contacts and calendar and all that stuff that I mentioned and kind of take that away from Google, you know, take it out of their hands, then that's kind of, you know, or I think that's more the direction I'm heading. So it's kind of a coexisting with Google, but not giving them everything, you know, not buying into the entire ecosystem. So after the last episode, Mike Latore respond or left a comment on the the show page which you can do on pixelswim.com and he mentioned an app called or not an app <laughs> it is a website really called AppScope and he linked to an Android police article and I actually saw that Steve Litchfield covered this same thing the same website on all about Windows Phone and the reason that they it was kind of covered. I think it's fairly new, but it's it's covered too because it offers progressive web apps. It's kind of like an app store, and you know, a website slash app store for progressive web apps. And so to fill the gaps on my, because right now I have Lineage OS installed on my Moto G third generation, and I don't have any Google services connected to it. So I'm using F-Droid, which I mentioned in the past to kind of, have you know download some apps and, and connect services 
to like Nextcloud, like I was mentioning, and and different things like that. But progressive web apps are actually another way to kind of fill the gap and not, to not need services or apps. You know, you don't need to. If I'm missing an app, like there's no good Twitter app on the FDroid store that I could find. If there is one, please please let me know. But I couldn't find a good Twitter app. So I, you know, you just use the mobile version of Twitter, which is actually pretty good these days. And it is a progressive web app. So that's something to think about when filling in the gaps for, you know, not having the Google Play Store. You need progressive web apps and 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 open source app stores like FDroid to kind of get everything together. So thanks, Mike, for sharing that. It was really interesting. And I'm going to link to both the Android Police article and the all about Windows Phone article that Steve uh, kind of went over the AppScope website uh, because on Windows Phone, it's you know progressive web apps are kind of important too because of the lack of apps there and the lack of support for apps and all that stuff. So it, uh, yeah, AppScope is definitely interesting and and offers you know it's nice to have a curation of progressive web apps, uh, especially presented the way they do in a nice app store. So thanks again, uh, Mike, for sharing that. And I'm going to keep looking through that and seeing what what I can do and use that they suggest on there. You know, I'm, there's some obvious stuff like Twitter and and, and Facebook that I, you know, easily are, are obvious, you know, to use through the web browser. But then there's some other things that aren't as obvious. So uh, AppScope offers, you know, uh, different categories and stuff like that. So on the topic, too, of having kind of my own cloud quote unquote i saw that ian barton um who i think i've seen on the whatever works community uh google plus community he suggested in the in a, in a comment on the show page for last for the last episode uh sync thing and so this isn't something that i had heard about but sync thing is another way to sync files and documents between devices and so really what the biggest thing, at least from what I could gather with this, is that there's no central server that you need for this. Like uh, Nextcloud and OwnCloud are great, but they actually need a server kind of in the middle to collect everything and, and kind of distribute it out to your devices, you know. And so essentially what SyncThing does from again, from what I can gather is it just you install it on e your each device and then you connect those devices to each other. So there's they're basically all the files are stored on the devices and then passed to each other, kind of a peer to peer network type thing, which is really interesting. And, and, and Ian says that he uses it for his important stuff and it gets backed up to his network attack attached storage and and his virtual private server. So and he uses it on Android for his documents and photos and downloads uh, from his phone to his network attached storage, which I thought was a really interesting idea to attach, you know, to have a, a you know, some sort of network attached storage that you can use for everything and everything kind of gets backed up from your Android device to that. And so without needing, you know, a server in between, which is really kind of cool and interesting. So Thank you, Ian, for sharing that. There's actually a really great kind of use case that I came across on giganet.com, uh, this uh, company, but they essentially kind of go over their a use case for SyncThing. And so they talk about setting it up in their office 
but in this article, and it's actually from April 6, 2018, so it's really not even that old. So it offers a lot of great details on how SyncThing works. So it says, what is SyncThing? And, and, and here's a, a descri- their description of it, which I thought was really good. It says, SyncThing is a decentralized file synchronization tool. It shares similar- similarities with commercial cloud storage products you may be familiar with, like Dropbox or Google Drive. But unlike these cloud storage products, it does not require you to upload your data to a public cloud. It also shares similarities with self-hosted cloud storage platforms like OwnCloud or NextCloud. But unlike those products, it does not require a central server of any kind. SyncThing works off of a peer-to-peer architecture rather than a client-server architecture. Computers attached to your SyncThing network each retain copies of the files in your shared folders and push new content and changes to each other through peer-to-peer connections. Unlike other peer-to-peer software you may be familiar with, like file sharing applications, SyncThing SyncThing uses a private sharing model and only devices specifically authorized with each other can share files. All communication between peers is encrypted to protect against man-in-the-middle attacks intercepting your private data. So that's probably the best summary I could find online of it. So I'm going to put a link to this. Definitely check this GigaNet article or blog post out in the show notes because it really kind of goes over how to set this up how to install it how it works really great summary of it so i i did download it and try it on my windows machine uh it you know i'm still kind of getting wrapping my head around how it all kind of works and and gets together but it's something to think about and to look into especially for backing up files and stuff like that i didn't see any sort of calendar or contacts backup like you get with Nextcloud or own cloud but it's for files it's definitely an interesting idea an interesting or a different way to to do things if especially if you're trying to get to a place where your data isn't sitting on any sort of cloud server which with Nextcloud and own cloud it is but to me that doesn't matter too much i kind of like that idea but this is definitely something I'm going to keep in my, you know, in my holster <laughs> is to try out, you know, and, and see how it goes. But yeah, thank you, Ian, for sharing this, because I probably never would have found this. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do these types of things to kind of get your data away from the major companies like Microsoft and Google, etc. So sync thing is just another way to do that. But yeah, check out the link in the show notes for that. I definitely suggest going through that GigaNet article. It's probably, it'll, it explains it way better than I ever could. And I'm not, not going to just read everything, but the description of it was really good. So, all right. So let's wrap things up here. Uh, I babbled on long enough again, but uh, definitely still going down the rabbit hole of, of kind of, you know, finding the balance that I want with my my services and and did my data and all that kind of stuff so feel free to leave any feedback on the show notes page at pixelswim.com or to send an email to steve at pixelswim.com or reach out via twitter or google plus where i post uh, whenever i post a new episode you'll, you'll find them there And as always, I just appreciate you tuning in and I hope you'll tune in again next week and I should be able to report back a little bit on the LG G6 as I should have it in hand by then. So 
Uh, like I said, I always appreciate you tuning in pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links. And yeah, just have a great evening. I always start with the evening. I'm not sure why, but it just just feels like you're probably listening to this in the evening, but that's probably not true. It's probably the daytime. And either way, either way, have a great night or morning or brunch or or dinner. That's lunch dinner. Whatever time it is when you're listening to this. Thanks again and Godspeed. speed.